Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. Thank you for listening to one of our great messages. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Thank you, Father God. You've lavished your great love upon us. And let's give it up for the Lord right now. Father in heaven, we love you. We bless you. I'll tell you what. Once you start to receive the Father's affirmation in your life, uh, I tell you what, it just makes all the difference in the world. Because sometimes you, 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 you don't get it entirely from this world and from others where you should. But I'm telling you, you can, you can get the affirmation of the Father. I'm talking to the ladies and the men this morning. And so, Father, right now, just, just cast your gaze to heaven. Just close your eyes, lift your hands somewhat. Father in heaven, would you affirm, would you bless every single child of God in this house? You love them dearly. The Bible says he's lavished his great love upon you. He's such a generous father. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He's blessed you with mercies new every morning. His grace. His love is abounding. His faithfulness is outstanding. Father in heaven, I receive to my soul fresh affirmation. You encourage me. You support me. You bless me all the days of my life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If I believe all things are possible, So, Father, right now, I just pray, Lord, where I need encouragement, where I need affirmation, I receive it to my soul from you right now, Father in heaven. And the saints say, amen. God bless you. You can take a seat. Amen. Yeah, give it up for the Lord if you want. Tonight, we're going to have a huge showdown. But this morning, I thought, uh, because a lot of the youth are coming back out, I've got a lot of our team away uh, doing special things with their fathers, and, um, and that's that's sensational. Um, one of the one of the uh, Father's Day. What I thought I'd do during the week because I just thought it'd be a good idea is let's hear from a couple of the fathers in the house instead of having me preach to you. Uh, maybe real fathers that are really doing the Christian Christian fathering. And uh, I thought it would be good to hear from a couple of those guys. Eh? And, and, and I've got two, two, two men selected. Um, and then I'll wrap it up at the end. And Julie's saying she'd like a little say. And, um, so, but we're going we're gonna to hammer it out in 30 minutes. And um, look, just for the sake of some of the newcomers to the Lord and um, tremendous... Um, Tremendous wisdom in the Bible of how to do fathering. And, and I'll just give you one incident. Um, uh, yesterday I was driving down Tugger Strait 
um, and saw a young family, father and mother, of course, and the little child down here. But the father, he had a hoodie on. It was, must have been cold. Okay, so the father had a hoodie on, and he had his hands in his pocket like this, and his whole demeanor was like just me. It was, but the mum was just walking alone. The dad was just worried about his own comfort, and the, and the, and the beautiful kid. And I thought, that's probably not the... I don't know. It, look, it could be all right, but for me, it spoke to me about... What's the better version? The better version is if you do have opportunity because fathers are working all the time, wouldn't it be a great thing to hold that child's hand and comfort that child and, and, you know, and just be there for that child and, and, and bring mum in a bit closer and, and just be that family unit, you know. And it's not time to you know, have the hoodie on and, and, and be introverted. It's time to engage as a real father. And fa- a lot of fathers are absent absentee fathers they call them and uh when you're home you should be home applying yourself you know encouraging the kids and blessing the environment setting the environment is huge for a father setting the environment the father has the authority to wait till dad gets home (gasps) because that means dad when he steps foot into the home he sets the tone he sets the sets the culture and uh, what happens when that doesn't happen? The home becomes a free-for-all, and, and, the, and it's just chaos. And who wants to live in chaos? Put up your hand. Nobody. And um, it's a great thing when a man just sets the tone, not in an abusive way, but sets it in a, in a loving, you know, authoritative way. What, one of these great fathers that I love that I've seen do this and, and live this, these principles out is the man called Phil Cairns. Can I invite you up? godly man long-term helped us pioneer this church and him and his family are very dear to pastor phil and julie and so i'd like to give it up again for phil can i invite you up you fine with this good buddy all right just introduce yourself mate and go for your life hello everybody look at all you what i'd like to talk about today in the 10 minutes I've been given, looking at the clock, um, is intentional fatherhood. Now, is that my boys? Yeah. Aren't they great? Um, Fatherhood is not something you should just stumble along in. You need a plan for it. You You need to be very intentional about how you're a father. At least that's what I've found. This is what works for me. So some of the things that I do is I plan for common issues. And we knew that they were going to be coming along, so Flora and I talked about it. Um, I've got a scripture there, 2 Corinthians 2, 5 to 11, but the end of it is what's really important. Um, What I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I've forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake in order that Satan might not outwit us. For we're not unaware of his schemes. So the, the enemy will try and get into your family all sorts of ways. So you need to plan to make sure that you're going to cater for when this arises in a proper way. So you need to prepare responses for when your kids lie to you because they will, they do. Um, when they disobey, when they rebel, when they're violent, you need to prepare for it and know what you're going to do. Um, how you respond to them is going to depend on who you are and how your child is. 
But one thing you might want to do is consider these love language things. Um, there's five of them, physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts and quality time. And, and if one of your kids is playing up, you need to understand how they receive love so that you can, you can respond to them the right way. Um, you need to plan responses to their fear, their emotional or physical injury or distress. None of these things should take you by surprise because they are going to happen. So we need to prepare for it. Sometimes they're going to request your time. And I'd suggest the, res the response that you should prepare for that one should be yes. Dad, I need you. Yeah, sure, son. <laughs> Plan to be consistent. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Don't be chopping and changing. Don't be following one doctrine. Don't be following another. Don't keep changing. Um, I need to demonstrate to my kids that I'm trustworthy, that they can count on me. They have to know that I'm not going to blow my stack for nothing one day and then let it slip the next day. I can't do that. Um, they have to know that if they do the wrong thing, there's going to be trouble down the way for them. They have to know that when you're counting, you are going to get to three. <laughs> Johnny, put that down. One, two... Two and a half doesn't work. If it means that you've got to get up your butt and do something about it, then uh, apply some correction to a child's behavior. Then I'm here to tell you that it's worth the effort. If you let it slide, you've lost a level of respect. They might not believe you next time. We used to have a roster of disciplinary penalties on the fridge. Um, willful property damage was force max. Verbal abuse and disobedience was two. That sort of thing. Lying added an extra two smacks to any, any particular crime. Um, and we made sure that, that they knew that when we gave them a smack that they weren't receiving the extra two because they'd owned up about it. Or they were receiving the extra two because they'd lied about it. And the rat bags, now they just own up. <laughs> Who did that? <laughs> I did that. Oh, no, I can't go off if he's admitted to it. <laughs> In terms of um, the love language things, Josh is a physical touch kid. Um, and getting a smack was not interpreted as discipline or correction. correction. It was interpreted as rejection. You can't do that to kids, so Josh doesn't get smacks. Makes it harder because we had to use other methods. You know, We had to give him time out. We had to take away privileges and stuff but and and his brothers were very disappointed in that but um yeah something else you might want to do is plan grace um james 1 17 says every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of heavenly lights who doesn't change like shifting shadows plan to show appropriate affection plan to show affection in inappropriate moments because, you know, it embarrasses the heck out of them, but it lets everybody else know how much they're appreciated. Hug your kids, give them back scratches, give them scalp massages. Every now and again, I'd set up a land game for them. Um, and every now and again, we do need to spoil the kids. We do need to take them out for breakfast at Macca's, despite what that does to them. Your kids will plead for treats. So every now and again, you've got to give them a treat. But just make sure they know it's a treat and not a way of life, because people... Human beings of all ages have a habit 
of turning a privilege into an accepted norm, which then becomes a right. And people will demand their rights. So it's not a treat anymore. Um, I don't know how this works for girls, but for boys, you need to plan rites of passage. Uh, Greg French was talking about bringing back the bar mitzvah for boys. I love the idea. Um, I don't have a scripture for this one, but we can refer back to fathers. Don't exaggerate. Uh, exasper don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up. Does anybody not know about the bar mitzvah? It's a thing at, at, at the age of 13, the child is um, recognized as an adult. Right? And bar mitzvah actually means son of the law. So at this point, the young man is responsible under the law for his own conduct and is available to be called on to serve under the law. So I had my own little rite of passage with the boys. When they turned 13, I, I asked for some time at the pulpit. Um, I told the congregation about his character, and I told him that I considered him a man and that he was ready to serve and be called on in the different ministries in the church. I told him that everything his mother and I had for him was ready to be drawn upon him by him, sorry, ready to be drawn upon by him, as he walked out his godly calling, I told them in front of the church that I loved them and that I was well pleased with them. That went down pretty well and none of them have forgotten that. Possibly because of the embarrassment. But you know, it's, it's a memorable thing where they're acknowledged and affirmed. Um, nothing grows without stress and your kids need to be given responsibility. It needs to be a responsibility that um, where there are consequences to failure, don't throw them into it without training. Don't, uh, don't expect the world of them without being there for support. Make sure they know how to do the job, but give them responsibility. You can't treat them as a kid until they're 18 and then expect them to take on the world. So you graduate it as you go. I don't know about girls, but I know that boys need a, a battle to fight. They need an adventure to live, and eventually they need a beauty to rescue. Um, it makes sense that they spend around time around things that can do a bit of damage. So I've made sure that the boys have had weapons training. Matt has um, worked with a sword. I'm talking about a sword that's, you know, hand and a half. It's, it's two and a half feet long. It's of metal and it is nicked because he uses it in a proper environment. Nathan has a compound bow that shoots an arrow at about 300 feet per second. So, um, oh yeah. I've yet to figure out something for Josh. need to spend a bit more time talking about that one. Some of the things that I did in, in general, putting this stuff into practice, is that we insisted on eating at the table with no view of the TV because we develop community. We, we make sure that we talk and as we go. I've limited access to computers and the internet. I've got a firewall and a content filter that doesn't let stuff that I object to through, and they know about that one. I've, I can look at the logs and see who goes what goes where so that I can, I can make sure that those, um, those boundaries are maintained. I ensure that when the kids are on the computers, the screens are all visible. So hopefully there's a picture up there of that. That's a picture of our, our living room where we've got Matt on one side, we've got Josh there, we've got Nathan down there. I can see what they're doing if they're on the computers. So we don't, we don't go in for privacy on that sort of thing. Um, I disallowed computers and bedrooms because eventually you'll lose them in there. There should be another picture there. 
you will not see them until the computer goes down and this, this ghostly apparition appears and says, Mom. <laughs> we, uh, yeah. we refuse to buy a gaming console because, again, it's something that absorbs a kid without... Um, without having, letting them interact with other people in physical environment, in a, in a social sort of setting. The, compu- the games are coming along that way, but I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. So that's one of my rules, and, and they can like it or not. Another thing we did is we sold them recreational time on the computers. So over holidays, if they were going to spend an hour on the computer, then they had to have spent two hours outside first. Hard to enforce, particularly when I'm at work because then it all falls to Fleur. So if, if I'm going to be a father, then I need to have a really good relationship with my wife in which is, it's supportive. And uh, so the scripture here is from Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. If you are to be the most effective father you can be, you need or you can have no better helper than your wife. I've said before that a man needs a battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to rescue. Well, this is a picture of marriage. Marriage is an adventure. And a man has an opportunity to fight for and rescue his wife every single day. Now, I've, I've got a blog. I don't know who looks at it. About three people, apparently. But I wrote this article called um, How to Woo Your Wife. And then the, the last bit of it goes like this. Possibly the biggest thing you can do for your wife is protect and nurture her heart. Be the man who comes to her rescue. Always side with her in public. Your kids will try to come between you. Don't let them. The people will try to run her down and insult her. Vigorously defend her. People will try to use her up. Don't let them. If she loves you, your words will have great power over her life and how she sees herself. With great power comes great responsibility. Always encourage her, always love her, and she will complete you just as you complete her. Now, your kids will become impatient over time with her, may possibly become verbally and even physically abusive. Stand up to the attacker and defend your wife under all circumstances. You might not agree with what she's saying, but this is not the time to be having that discussion. Defend her in front of your kids all the time. Um... Your wife, your relationship with your wife is always more important than your relationship with your kids because that's a foundation upon which your family's built. Who's travelled in a plane? What do they say about putting the air mask on in that, that talk beforehand? Put it on you first and then you can deal with your kids. Make sure your relationship with your wife is right first, then you can be a good father. Something I do every now and again is I'll reflect when I'm talking to the kids, I'll refer to Fleur as my wife rather than your mother. Don't talk to my wife that way. comes across differently as don't talk to your mother like that. They're walking on, on ground that's not theirs to tread. So, in summary and at the end of my 10 minutes, plan for the common things. You're gonna, there's things that's going to be common to everything, everybody. Kids are going to behave badly. Prepare for it. It's going to happen. Plan to be consistent. Understand what you need to do and do it the same way all the time. Plan for grace. Plan for rites of passage. Always protect your wife. 
And I was reading this morning in a book called Walking with God. Um, I can give you a bunch of rules. I can give you a bunch of pointers. You can take these and say, you know, to be a really good dad, I can do this. I can, I can just do these points. The thing is, if you decide to do that and you do that, where's your need for God? Can you do this in a godless way? Yes, you can. You can apply all these rules over time. But I'd like to say that this works for me because of my relationship with God. This, this stuff that I've said here has grown out of my relationship with Him. It's not because someone's handed it down, although I've, I've drawn from other people. I can be a godless father, but I don't want to be. So the first and best thing you can do is make sure you're working with, walking with your Saviour. Thanks, Pastor Phil. Fantastic. My favourite son-in-law, Andrew Flaxman. Come on up, buddy. Excellent, Phil. Really appreciate that. Thank you so much for that wisdom, Andrew. Let's give it up for Andrew again. There you go, Garth. <laughs> awesome. Who loves Garth? Anybody? That one hand? Good, no. <laughs> uh, that was awesome, Phil. That was amazing. And uh, Phil had about 10 pages of notes. I have none. But uh, really big print. I have a scripture. That's all I have. Uh, how are we all? Good? I, uh, I love family. Who loves family? I love family. And... Uh, my father uh, doesn't like Father's Day much because he thinks that the major stores are trying to rip us all off by making us go out and buy stuff we don't need for, you know, and, uh, which makes me like him even more. But anyway, it's awesome. But uh, I think that uh, being a great father beyond anything else is the greatest thing that a man can do, definitely. And uh, I, wrote, I actually wrote a line down, Phil. It said, being a great father to your kids, a husband to your wife, is the best thing that a man can ever do. It's like the number one call. You know, you might think that, you know, being the fastest around the world is amazing or uh, being prime minister or, or whatever. But being a great father for children, that's the greatest, isn't it? Is that the greatest, you know, hey, I, I landed on the moon. Well, that's amazing, but, you know, does your children know who you are? Do you, you know? And uh, anyway, cool. So I wrote down here, actually, two lines, Phil. But uh, I believe that church is one of the uh, major places that fathers can chill out with their sons and daughters. You know, we get ready as a family. You know, people say, oh, I just need some family time. I haven't got time for church today. I just need some family time. Well, you know, when we come to church, the house is all moving in the same way and all the kids are getting together, all feeding at the same time. We're all looking for, where's my, you know, where's this? Where's my, Jill, where's that shirt? I, I need that, you know. And Charlie's sort of running out, but we're all sort of doing the same thing. Then we get in the car together and then we're sort of driving to church together and we get here and we all get out at the same time. We all come up together. We all sit as a family and then we all, you know, have lunch and then go home together. You know, I think church is one of the biggest things that, a family can actually have family time together. Anybody else? I believe it. 
And uh, do you know what I know? That uh, fathers, you know, uh, whether you had a great father or a bad father, we have a father in heaven who, who is awesome and who loves us and, and wants the best for us. And uh, do you know I know that little boys sort of, you know, they start out and they go through high school and they have, you know, literally no responsibility. You know, high school in year 10 or whatever, you just come home and you eat and then you surf and then you come home, whatever. And then what happens is you sort of go through life and you meet a, a girl or whatever and you sort of get married and you buy a house and all of a sudden you, you have a baby and then another baby. It's like this little boy who sort of grows up through our world all of a sudden has this huge responsibility that, you know, you go, hang on, how did, how did I go from being in year 10, sort of just surfing three or four times a day whenever I wanted to do it, to having a wife and a you know, house and all this. And I love this. It says in Matthew uh, eleven twenty eight, 28, uh, that, you know, somehow men seem to, I'm just going to read it a little bit. It says, Jesus says, come to me, all you, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And isn't that true that men are just workers? We just get up and we work and we go here and we go there. Whether, whether we feel like it, whether, you know, I, I, I'm physically able, whether, whether, you know, it's raining or it's hot, we just, isn't that right? Where's dad at? Oh, he's, he's gone. He's, just, he's out there. And because the Bible says, see, I love it, it says all who labor and are heavy laden. That's what happens to the men. They're laborers. They just, they just continue to go up. But the thing is that over time we, we start to, uh, you know, become heavy laden where God says, I don't want you to carry this pressure. I don't want you to carry this stress, stress through life. And I love it. It's that Jesus says, come to me. You know, one of the greatest things that a father can do is actually go to the greatest father. You know, instead of blowing out on the kids or blowing out on, you know, you know, these people just look so tightly wound, they're about to crack it. You know, I asked for Vegemite, not honey. And it's like, whoa, you know, you know, because it's like, whoa, you're just so tightly wound that the littlest thing, you know, can go off. And then the kids get the thing and they chuck it in. And you just drive away. No, the Bible says, come to me, all you who labor. We all labor. Men labor. That's what they do. They're just workers. Because they're little boys that are grown up. They just have responsibility. They have to go and do what they do. Because uh, there's that thing. But the, the deal is we sort of just start to carry around like, I've got this car over here and I've got another car there and I've got the house and there's all these things that sort of start to, don't they, they just start to, I've got the wife and then I've got the kids and I've got work and I've got, you know, I've got to do this and I've got that thing going on. And all of a sudden we just start to, don't we? It's like, instead of being like this carefree little boy, we, we start to really feel the weight of the world essentially. And the Bible says, see, I love this in verse 29. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. You know that Jesus came from heaven to earth uh, with a job, with a really stressful job. And, uh, you, know, he, he, you know, we think that we, we do all these things, but God said to Jesus, I want you to come to earth and save the world. And, and Jesus is going, oh, oh, my God. But the thing is that Jesus, you know, rose above, found all this pressure, the pressure of being a man, the pressure of being a husband, and rose above all of that and beat that. And the Bible says that we have the mind of Christ and that we can do all things through Christ, that Jesus came to earth and felt this amazing, you know, weight of pressure, but it didn't, it didn't blow him out. It didn't, you know, he didn't crack. He didn't get angry and punch the wall. He just, you know, he, he sort of rose above the pressure. Don't you love that? Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Hey, just, just forget it. You know, I, I can deal with anything. 
Take my, I, I sit in heaven and look at the whole world. There's seven billion people. I see this and see that. And I see the blessing. I see the disasters. I see this. But he doesn't, you don't see Jesus sort of running through heaven going, oh, no. Oh, no, I didn't get this done. Oh, that's still not there. No. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Because Jesus sits in heaven not nervous, not worried. And isn't that the call of the man at home? When something's, you know, you got this and then you've got that. But when you come home, everything's okay. Hey, guess what? Where are, you know, and the kids, you know, see that, like Phil was saying, I love that. They see you protecting the wife and loving the wife and taking the wife out. And, or, you know, Julie. Anyway, it says, and it says, so take my yoke upon you that we can rise above the stress. We can rise above the pressure. We're taking Jesus, not our yoke. And, they say, and, and Jesus says, and learn from me. Isn't that a powerful thing that uh, we can learn from God? What a powerful thing that fathers, you know, instead of trying to get the 10 steps from Dr. Phil or the 10 steps from, you know, Oprah or whatever, we can actually open up the Bible and the greatest father of all time can teach us how to father our children. What are, you know, we can open up wounds, we can say, oh, well, you know, you need to you know, do all this. No, no, no. The Bible says, learn from me. What a powerful thing. You know, when you, you stand in, you know, they say, hey, who, who would you spend an hour with? Would you spend an hour with the, the queen or, you know, you saying whoever. You know, the Bible says that we can learn from the Lord. We can actually get with God and say, God, I just, God, help me out. <laughs> help me out here. I need to learn from you. And it, it goes on and says that, 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 that he's gentle. And isn't that a powerful thing that our children need to know that when they come back into our homes, no matter what they've done, that it's a safe place. You know, whether they've been suspended five, six times from high school, anybody, anybody? No. And when you can come home and know, regardless of what you've done, that it's a safe place. You know, I, I'm, I may have done this or done that, but when I come home, you know, I, and I know that. I mean, my, I've been, uh, I was still in high school. I remember I waited a couple of times and the police, uh, not the police, the, uh, that was the next one. No, but the, uh, the, the principal rang my dad and said, hey, did you know that your son is, you know, stealing stuff or cars down here, wherever? And he said, oh, yeah, of course. So, you, know, you know, but isn't it an amazing thing that your father, is that what kids need to know? Regardless of what I've done, he's got my back. Regardless of if I've done this or that, you know, he's there. Is it, we, that he's gentle. God is gentle. And uh, we create safe places for our children. Who wants to grow up like that? Of course they do. And it says here, and, and that the, uh, we are lowly in heart. And that's an amazing thing that parents, uh, not, you know, you're not in competition with your children. Oh, yeah, well, when I was you know, on the railways doing this, I did this. And, oh, yeah, you might, you know. No, but we encourage our children and we, we say, you can do it. Do you know that when my father actually sits down and says, Andrew, you can do it? I actually sort of believe that I can, you know. Like someone looks at you and says, you, you can do that. And when your dad stops and looks at you, you go, you know, something sort of rises on the inside and you go, you know what? I don't care what anyone else says. I can do, you know, I can do this. And uh, lowly in heart. Isn't that an amazing thing that we can, we can raise our children up and then also in this safe place, but then we can encourage them and, and push them out and bless them and just say, hey, you know, if you fail, if you get caught up by the police, or you can just come on because this is a safe place. And uh, I love this. And the Bible says when we come to the Lord that we'll find rest for our souls. And uh, I think it's such a powerful thing. It says, come to me. We need to come to the Lord. Fathers are always just, you know, like Phil said, there's a thousand different things. Uh, we're not prepared for because we're these little boys that sort of grow up and sort of start to get there. We need to be continually going back to the Lord, saying, God, I, I, I need rest. For the, I, need, I need help in this way. 
And do you know what happens? That when we find rest in the Lord, you can come home and and one kid's taking his nappy off, he's wiped it down there, and this is all happening, it's over there. But when you're in rest, it's like you look at it and you go, oh, it's awesome. Wow, you, you got it all the way up there. Wow, how did you, and, you know, and then where's your, I just dressed you in your socks. But it's, it's like when you're, when you're rested in the Lord, it's like you laugh about these things. Instead of saying, oh, you know, where's your thing? And you chuck it out. No, you go, yeah, you know, you threw your thing off the veranda and it smashed it. That's all, you know, we only paid, we just bought that the other day. It's, no, but do you know when you got rest, it's like there's this joy inside of you that regardless of whatever happens, you know, and isn't it funny that when you're in rest, you like get a thousand different ideas. And you know when you're, you're stressed and you're tired that nothing, you're just sort of like this and you, you can't even think of this. But when you're rested, you get like this idea and you want to take the family there and let it just go and then everything else becomes secondary doesn't it hey i I got a great idea and i love that rest we need to find rest in the lord and the bible says as i finish that uh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light there's no uh you know we're not heavy laden we we go through life we we, but the bible says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light we're free as a bird we can do whatever we want is that a great thing that we can we can know that you know uh when we come back and connect to god that there's no pressure on us Jesus came to earth and says, you know, God said, I want you to do this. And there's this huge pressure on his life to do what he needs to do. But he says that my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And that we can sort of trot through this world knowing that God is for us. And that God is with us and God is leading us. And God has the best things uh, in our life planned out. And the greatest thing that we can do is actually come to God and say, God, I just, you know, you know, spending time with the Lord, saying that, God, I need to, I need to wake up early. I need to stay up late and spend an hour with my Bible open, just saying, God, I got a thing here. I don't know what to do with that. And that God will speak to us and lead us and guide us to raise our children. Is that a, is that a great idea? Is that okay? There you go. I'm going to get Pastor Phil. Thanks so much, buddy. Love your enthusiasm. He is. It's a half glass full world to uh, Andrew. And um, I love that about him, uh, the way he loves to encourage no matter what is happening. Um, just, just wrapping it up, guys, that is fantastic. Love that. Love that. <laughs> um, just for a few m- moments more, um, j- just to explain, because, again, we've got a lot of new Christians, um, a lot of new people just getting with God and one of the great things with, with getting with God is the wisdom and, and the overall perspective of some of the dilemmas in life. And I, I mentioned that fatherless generation um, that is pervasive through our society. And because of that, a lot of boys don't reach their full manhood. They get stunted in their growth. Um, yeah, and uh, they call it, what do they call it, Phil Cancer? Peter Pan Syndrome. Uh, they get stuck in, you know, in, in somewhere, infancy or wherever. But, um, and, and that's unfortunate. But it's it's a beautiful thing when, uh, not a beautiful thing. That's bad language. Talking about it's an awesome thing uh, when a man intentionally uh, raises his children up, um, and 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 in doing that, I'm telling you what it makes all the difference to these young children 
Uh, we talk about this in this church, spiritual parenting. Um, and like us as grown-ups, and even in the youth, you can do this down through the, uh, the, the, you know, the generations. We do this as, as a man stands up um, in his purpose, protector, provider, nurturer. Okay, so when you get back to the Garden of Eden, the man was set down first, and God told him to look after that garden and nurture that garden and work that garden. So one of the key things about a man is to work. It's, it's, it's very hard for a man not to work. Daryl probably knows that because he's been taken out by an injury. Uh, really hard for a man not to be working because um, we're, we're, we're born and destined to do that. And it's a form of worship. It's a form of pleasing God. It doesn't please God uh, not to do that. So, and, and it's our purpose too, to protect. We protect people, children, families. It's an unfortunate thing in society now where a man can hardly I- intervene in certain affairs. A shopping center, it's Christmas, the man is tense, he's slamming doors, the kids are crying. And uh, I've seen some terrible situations where, you know, years ago you probably could step in and and we still do if push comes to shove, but unfortunately men cannot say, hey, leave her alone, or hey, what do you think you're doing? Uh, and, and that's unfortunate. That chivalry is, is not quite not there anymore. But we what? Revive it, yeah. I'm really big too on homes being a sanctuary. I really believe that homes are a place where we bring children up and, and we have good families. And, and that takes a lot of deliberateness of building a culture, uh, building a place where love, acceptance, and forgiveness is in that home, where kids feel absolutely fine to come home and find, uh, you know, find their mum and dad believing in them and, and supporting them and encourage them uh, because they'll find it somewhere else. And unfortunately, some people will try and find it through, you know, other means, drugs, sex, you know, young girls who don't have fathers that believe in them. Um, they say one of the key figures that we get the image of God from is from our fathers. So if our fathers weren't there um, and they were abusive, unfortunately, and they were what we call absentee fathers, we, we or they were angry fathers, angry fathers. I grew up in the 60s and where it was after the, the war. I guess this was not the baby boomers, but they call it the silent generation, which is before, and they went through the war and they were banged up a lot and they had a lot of misgivings about that. Uh, human nature had let them down and, and God had let them down. And because of that, we grew up as a baby boomer. I grew up with a lot of angry fathers and fathers that were quick to, you know, give you a clip under the ear, you know what I mean? And, 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 Children were, were seen but not, not supposed to be heard. And, and you know what I mean, man? I'm, I'm seeing the older men. And, and I think some of that was a little bit uh, overstated, heavy-handed. Uh, and then the pendulum went too far the other way where the fathers became absentee. They didn't say anything. Uh, they had no, uh, you know, they had no, um, I guess, proper parental encouragement or affirmation flowing. Um, did I say that right? Um, where they, they yeah, and, and, and of course they became absent. 
uh, in their correction, that's right, in their discipline. Uh, and then we had this new age philosophy where Dr. Spock says, it's not good to discipline your children. Uh, and, um, and of course, we saw wh- where that got us, <laughs> you know, this whole rebellious age of people going off the rails. I'm a big believer of discipline, actually. Uh, absolutely. Otherwise, kids will just... It's actually a, a proof of you, you're, you not loving your children if you don't discipline. You know, if you say to your children, hey, stop running on the road, if you don't say to your children, don't run on the road, you're actually giving them, uh, uh, you know, you're giving them a statement there uh, that you don't care if they run on the road. But if you say, don't run on the road, don't do that. And they go, oh, okay, they must really love me. They must care. They must want to protect me. But if you just let them run rampant, oh, they don't care what I do. You know, they don't really care if I injure myself. And so there's a balance. There's a balance. Um, and just to say just a couple of things, I think we talked about that scripture, and I think um, Father's been a – Tim, could I just have that first one? I'll just just try and get a couple of little points just quickly, two minutes. Um, I think for me a father is a provider. I said that through the uh, the giving message. It's one of the key things, if you get a handle on this. My version says, um, 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And so I talk about three, um, uh, I've done this message before where I talk about father providing. Fathers can offer a sense of belonging where, where um, the kids can come home. I said that where, you know, you're listening and, you respect their values, their opinions, and um, they feel secure amongst your family. It's very important, and um, and and then that, sh- that then that tells them how God treats you. That when you come with your complaints and your stuff, that God will listen to you, not where the the father would, you know. So John one twelve says, "But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God." So it's about receiving our children, listening to them, even to them that believe on his name. And the second one, fathers can give their children a sense of worth. And I talked about so many boys and girls are growing up thinking they have no value. Uh, The kids try to compensate for poor self-image through sex, drugs, but they end up being even more disappointed. When a child needs is someone who will care for them, someone who will make them feel special. And if they don't find it in their homes or their parents, they'll try to find it outside by being involved with other friends, friends that, you know, sometimes are not good. A good father involves himself with his children by bonding with his children. So important, as Phil and Andrew were saying, even even uh, doing some of their, you know, even dancing last night. My children bond with me when I dance. So, you know, at the party last night, I don't mind having a dance because it's a good time to bond. And husbands, you need to do that with your wives too if they want to dance. Anything that involves time. Come on, Garb. Uh, the third one I talked about, uh, oh, the, the scripture of that, Matthew 6.26, uh, talked about the sense of worth. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor, uh, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much more better than they? And the third point I wanted to make, dads can provide a sense of confidence and 
we know Andrew is very much like this. And I, I need to state this. A father who expresses his support instills a good self-worth and assurance to his children, saying to sons and daughters, I believe in you no matter what the outcome, letting them know that they are unconditionally loved. And if the child achieves, and if, and if the child achieves something, I'm so proud of you, they will be more confident to do their best. If they failed, we can say, you've done your best. In God's time, you'll achieve it. Doing this, even if the child fails, his or her sense of confidence will not waver because a good father is faithful and loves his children even if they fail. Like our God, the Father that loves us even though we are unfaithful to him. Psalms 100 verse 5, For the Lord is good and his love endures. I'll say that again. And it's for us as fathers too. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. If this is what our Heavenly Father can provide, what more can we get from our Father in heaven? Uh, Mark 9.23 says, If you can believe all things are possible who believe, it can happen. Amen. And I did state this as my last statement. A child's first image of God is his earthly father. And I'll say it again. It's worth saying. A child's first image of God is his earthly father. Now, I need to say something right here, right now. Um, we listened to this Christian um, artist back some 20 years ago. And um, he usually came, usually came out with a big band. So this was uh, a big Christian uh, American artist. He came out, but he came out with a piano. And we thought, what is this man? He's just going to do... And he ended up just singing these very um, important songs, these low-key songs, which were really about his father, his father's broken relationship. Um, so he had an album out, 77 times 7, which is a quote from the scripture, how many times we should forgive people, 77 times 7. And he's on tour, a worldwide tour, and he's, this is the name of his album, 77 times 7, all about forgiveness. And he's on tour, but... And this is, this is a, 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 it was David Meese, I don't know if you know him, and he was a child prodigy. He took to the piano like just an amazing musician. But his father never saw him play. His father was an alcoholic, and his father would just come home drunk and cuss the kids out. The kids would just run from him because his kids, this father was abusive. And as soon as he could leave home, he left home. And he became a famous musician, a Christian musician. And he had this album out, 77. And halfway around the world, he got news that his father had died. And he virtually didn't give a toss. He didn't like this father at all. And so he turned up at the funeral, took some time out of the tour, turned up at the funeral, and the eulogies, and they're around the graveside, and they're lowering him in. And all the relatives, unsaved relatives, that didn't even believe in God, they're crying their eyes out for this father, even though he was abusive and horrible, and, but they were crying. And he, the Christian, with a 77 times 7 album out, or talk, singing about to the world about forgiveness, he's standing there going, this ain't right. I can't forgive you, Father. I can't forgive you. You hurt me. You were horrible. You were nasty. You were abusive. So he thought, something's wrong. So he sought out some counseling, professional counseling. He took himself off tour. He actually took himself out of ministry for a year. And he sought the Lord to be healed of that. 
And he did a year in this specialized ministry. They're where pastors and ministers go and they have counseling. And, uh, and after about a year, he says, well, geez, when am I going to be healed? I mean, I've got to get back to work. And he said, look, we're going to let you go, actually, because there's, you've done enough. And, um, but he says, when you feel it coming on you, when you feel it coming on you, let it, let it flow. And so he's in this hotel room again, and he just gets an image of his father. And the image was this. Um, he saw his father as a little boy, unblemished by the world, unblemished by alcoholism, unblemished by anger. He saw his father as an innocent man. And he said, that's my father. That's my father without being banged up by life. And, and oh my God, he's a good father. It wasn't his fault. The world made him like that. And he, and he, he got forgiveness and he started to cry. And you remember what they said, when the tears begin to flow, uh, flow, just lean into it. And for an hour or so, he just cried and he cried. And uh, let's all stand, God bless you. And he cried. And so uh, what, I'm, what I'd like to say out of that is this. A lot of our fathers weren't perfect. A lot of our fathers weren't the best maybe. But I wonder if we could just have one moment here right now where we could forgive our fathers for their inconsistency, their hardness. Some of our fathers went through the war and we didn't understand that. They called that generation a silent generation because they never talked. They never showed their emotions properly. They never, they never shared their love to their sons. Boys don't cry. Stiff up a lip. So, Father, right now, I just pray right now that we would forgive those fathers, that we'd forgive all our fathers for any, anything that has caused us grief. Anything, Lord, that just right now, I just, just pray you would do that in your own breath. Just would you do that and just forgive your father. This world's hard to navigate, especially without God. A lot of our fathers couldn't help it, but they did the best they could, maybe. And so we thank you for our fathers the ones that have gone to be with the Lord and ones that are still with us right now. We choose to forgive them in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.